Welcome. You're about to be ushered past the velvet rope and into a world of hyper-effective salesmanship that's understood and used only by the world's most notoriously rich and successful marketers. We're taking a journey deep inside the human brain, past the surface clutter, and into the psychological insights to answer the one crucial question, what makes people buy? I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, along with the most ripped off and respected copywriter alive, John Carlton, and this is Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. Welcome to Psych Insights from Modern Marketers. I'm Kevin Rogers here with John Carlton. Today we're going to talk about the disconnect between civilians and entrepreneurs when it comes to closing a deal. There's been a steady lean toward the idea of selling without selling, as if salesmanship is now a dirty thing and exchanging money for goods is less a way of life and more of a necessary evil. People really don't understand what it takes to get your head in a space where you can persuade someone to do something. Selling is hard and mysterious. Persuasion is scary. So today we're going to illustrate the mindset behind persuasion and hopefully make it less scary to people so they don't freak out when they hear what copywriters talk about behind the scenes getting ready to write an ad. John, you recently experienced a little of this. Well, actually, it's a it's a an experience I've had multiple times and will have multiple times in the future. This particular time that happened was there's a um, uh, Stan as part of running the uh, uh, Marketing Rebel Insiders Club uh, sometimes posts YouTube videos of me from uh, just little like three minute, five minute. Uh, uh, pieces of of me delivering a point in a seminar, and it just kind of starts some conversations on, online. I, there's stuff about copywriting, about doing business, about closing the deal, things like that. And this particular uh, YouTube video was about me talking about the copywriter mindset and what I talked about and what other copywriters, by the way, just to start this on the right foot. Uh, other copywriters understand this, understand the necessity for this. And I was talking about preparing your mind to sit down and actually write an ad. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to other writers and I was talking about stalking the desk, about getting yourself fired up to the point that you can sit down and write what you need to write to be able to do the persuasion and salesmanship necessary to close a deal, to actually make your advertising work as opposed to just sit there flaccid and useless and vulnerable and everything. And the main thing I talked about was getting in part of that is, and I've used this multiple times with many other writers who have come back and and told me how thankful they were that I actually helped them bust through this this problem that was holding them up. And the anecdote I use is you is you stock the desk, you walk around the desk, and you get yourself into a froth about sitting down and writing an ad. And one of the ways you do that is you think about all those people walking around out there in the world with money in their pocket that really belongs to you or to your client. And that has set the universe off its axis and Mm -hmm. the universe will not come back on its axis until you correct that situation. Mm -hmm. And of course, a writer understands that. And I even said this in the video. 
you're offering, you know, the 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 uh, corollary to that, or the the next shoe to fall on that statement is you have an ethical product, <clears throat> you are right. providing value, and you if if you really do have something that will change your prospect's life, mm-hmm. then shame on you if you don't do everything in your power to get them to realize that they need to get off their ass. They need to actually pay for this right now. They need to get going. This is not robbing people of money. <clears throat> this right. is doing the capitalistic dance of you give me some money, I will give you this huge value in return. Right. And when you start from a base, which I always insist on, and I've even written this in the start to kick-ass copywriting secrets of a marketing rebel, my, my first book, it was I had a statement up front was, if you're selling unethical goods or you're a sociopathic marketer, then I hope you rot in hell <laughs> because I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to release the secrets to persuasion and they can be used for ill or for good. So yeah. I'm taking it for granted that you're going to have an ethical product that you're that you're selling something that is going to help the other person and now you got to get in the mindset to kick up the persuasion and kick up the salesmanship several notches so that you can actually do what needs to be done which is get that guy uh, out of his passive state, get him to, to take action, get him to do things he didn't, he, he wasn't even thinking about five minutes ago. He may not have even known you or your right. product or your advertising existed, you know, seconds ago. Right. And it's a, it's a very intense involved pr- uh, pr- uh, process. Anyway. Well, let me, let me, I'm going to quickly add to that, John. Sure. Uh, that, this process also serves the client in a big way because if there's something missing from the product right. that doesn't allow the copywriter to get fired up, to stock the desk, to, to say, <laughs> let me at the damn keyboard, yeah, it, there's a problem with the product. It's but kind of a, a may not red be, flag it, thing. Yeah, yeah, it may not be unethical. It just may be missing. Yeah. And so that's a huge service to the client as well. I just want to point that out. By the way, that's a good tactic for and I've had a few clients do that where I wrote the ad first. Uh, I've done that for my own products um, where I wrote the ad first or wrote out the bullets. And then I created the product to fill mm-hmm. all of those promises I made. It, it made the product better because it fulfilled what the. Uh, copywriter angle was using as uh, um, I don't want to call it bait, but it is bait. It's like it's baiting the hook. Yeah. It's bringing the person in. What could I what could I say about this that is going to make the person eager to do this? Anyway, just to finish the story, mm-hmm. this YouTube video ran and I was alerted that there was somebody on there trashing me uh, about this this particular video. So I got on and uh, looked at it and didn't want to take it down. I, you know, negative comments on a video or on a blog post or something are not that bad. It usually, uh, if there's one person saying it, there's probably a few more out there and, and it's no good to hide your head in the sand. So you don't want to, if, if the guy was clearly psychotic, we would have uh, removed it. But this guy was just saying, <laughs> this is what's wrong with business. It's, he was saying, this guy, this meaning me, he says, this guy's essentially telling people to lie, mm. to go out there and just rob people of their money for you saying anything that you need to say to do that. Not anywhere near what I was saying at all. Totally mm-hmm. missed the point. Mm-hmm. But it it reminded me of just how few civilians, and by civilian, I mean somebody not in advertising and marketing, how few civilians understand 
the process of salesmanship and persuasion. They are often, in fact, shocked by ads that work. This, as in any good freelance copywriter will tell you, when you, you know, I actually have a rule that if the client likes my ad, I get I, I'm, I want to rewrite it because I don't want the client to like my ad. I want the client to be nervous as hell right up to the point that the ads, that the phones start ringing or the orders start, start coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if the client is happy with the ad, that means I haven't pushed hard enough. I haven't, I haven't, a good ad should take a client, even yourself, if you're writing for yourself out of your comfort zone. It should not be a nice, comfortable little piece. It needs to be an alarming, um, uh, over-the-top, outrageous. It needs to be something that wakes you up. As I've said before, a good ad has to be the most exciting and alarming thing a person reads that day. You you know, of all the stuff that your prospect reads, sees, uh, scrolls, uh, watches online, reads in a newspaper, hears on the radio, talks with people, is out there in the world, that your ad has to cut through an amazing amount of clutter, including the self-defense systems in his brain, which are cutting off most of the advertising he's hearing. And you need to break through that and you need to let him know that this is something where he needs to drop everything else and pay attention and get involved and actually take some action. You need to move him from a passive state, which is how most people read, and put him into an active state. They have to be active to be able to take out the credit card, type in the number punch the order button and, and move through that whole process. That doesn't happen just because you're a nice person as, as, a, as a client. That doesn't happen just because you have the best product that's ever been invented in the history of the world, which most clients you know, believe is, is true of, of their product. Just watch uh, Shark Tank mm. uh, to see just how much people get involved in the inherent value of their product, which will sell itself, they'll say. Right, right. All, all, you know, we we just need to let people know about this yeah. and they'll come flocking to our door. The worst thing that people have ever heard about business is the old phrase, build a better mousetrap and the world will yeah. beat a path to your door. Absolutely untrue. The marketing graveyard is crammed to bursting with excellent superior product that died an early death because nobody figured out how to sell it because right. nobody uh, got past the queasiness that people naturally have over being aggressive about saying, no, don't think about it. I want you to act right now. Most people aren't used to that. They, they don't like doing that. They consider that pushy. They consider that rude. They consider that uh, 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 stepping across a line, so to speak. But that's what you have to do both in salesmanship and persuasion. There are ways to do this without setting off a lot of red flags. I'm not, if anybody's read my stuff or uh, Kevin, your, your ads, we're not going out there with a sledgehammer knocking you over the head and saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill your dog if you don't buy this product. <laughs> but we do get in the situation where we can't let them go once we have them. If right. we have the ethical product that really will change their life and we're pushing to the next, the next level, that next level is them taking action. You can't let them go. You have to use all the persuasion techniques tactics you have, which involve P.T. Barnum uh, and his outlandish, uh, outrageous uh, advertisements for the, the bearded goat lady and, 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 and things, <laughs> you know, and the, uh, uh, you know, Siamese twin uh, tiger cubs or whatever. And 
And uh, it also involves NLP and all of the street level psychology that you've heard about. Yes, you're going to drop hints. Yes, you're going to use every tactic you can to create that environment within the ad, within the head of the prospect who's either watching your video or reading your ad or listening to you talk. There are things going on that you need to know about as a marketer, That which is why we did this, you know, Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. It's 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 all about persuasion. It's all about the act, the dance of you having something you need the other person to take action on Mm -hmm. and their reluctance to take action. Any kind of salesmanship really comes down to an inherently hostile uh, transaction. Uh, He doesn't want to buy it or wants to get it for free and you want him to buy it and you want him to pay the amount that you've settled on as a good fair price in exchange for the value of the product or the service. Right. You know, most people and they, everybody goes back to uh, like a used car salesman or or, yeah. or an auto purchase. And I think the, the reason for that is that's usually someone's first big commitment, right? It's the first, wow, sign this, sign on the dotted line. And Good it's point. The, and it's the first time they brought through a real sales process to where I'm walking on the lot. I was told not to look anyone in the eye. <laughs> Next thing I know, this pretty fr- pretty friendly guy or girls chatting me up and I feel kind of comfortable. Now I'm sitting in a car and now I'm, <laughs> now I'm starting to get comfortable here. Hell, shit, here we are driving down the road. How'd this happen? And wow, I could take it home overnight if I want. That's friendly. You know, so... Um, well, it, just, to, just to continue that, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin... Anybody who's gone out, and I highly suggest all marketers go out to a used car lot and Mm -hmm. take it as far as they can. You don't need to buy the car, but good luck trying to get out of it once you're on the lot. (laughs) I've actually had that that garishly dressed guy, the last guy. Usually they have a tier... Uh, a tiered levels of salesman. And the first guy will be very nice. He'll be the good cop. Next guy will still be a good cop, but he'll be a little more pushy. By the time they think you won't succumb to the good cop stuff, they'll send in the bad cop. And it's an interesting process to see. And you wonder, why do they do this? Because this guy really turned me off. He got very aggressive with me. He said, if you don't buy, why are we even talking? And he actually tried to then sell me a really bad car <laughs> that was obviously dented and stuff. And it was like he was insulting me. Yeah. And I remember thinking, why are you doing this? You know, you're, you're turning me off. It's a grudge close. If, if you take a step back, they do that because for that particular sales process, that's what's worked in the past and that that's what is working for them. They don't stay in business if that doesn't work. Maybe unsavory, and I certainly would not want to be the bad cop, and I try not to be the bad cop in my, ad, in my, in my uh, ads mm-hmm. or my copywriting, but you need to be aware of how that process takes place and why they get to that point. They know if you, st- if you get in your car and leave that lot, you're going to go somewhere else. Right. And you may, you may, the experience Experience you've had on their lot may lead you to buy on another lot. All kinds of horrible things happen, but you don't come back, you don't buy, they don't make the sale, they don't make the commission, they don't make the rent, their girlfriend leaves them, all kinds of horrible things happen. <laughs> so they're using tactics they've been taught or they've learned about yeah. that actually work. And, and that, that goes back to really where this conversation started. Uh, the comment and metaphorically, there's people out there with money in their pocket that belongs to you. And that's sort of that mentality. It's like, yeah. look, this person's buying a car today. We know this. And if they walk off this lot, what, uh, how did we screw this up? The problem is a lot of those guys are 
can be shady and they have shady tactics. And for them, it's more of a they look at it like a kill instead of a serve. And that's where all the that ill will and this whole idea of selling without selling and salesy. It's too salesy. What the hell does that mean? Salesy. You know, I mean, you know, bad copy is bad copy, but yeah. g- good persuasion can be transparent or it can be very obvious. You know, I've seen really good closers get on stage and say, um, we've seen ads like this where say, in, in, you know, in a couple minutes, I'm going to ask you to pay me $500 and yeah. it, it, you, you're not going to be able to do it fast enough. It's going to be the greatest money you've ever spent and it's going to change your life for the better. Now, hear me out. You're like, yep. damn, okay, wow. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, but uh, it's important not to give in to this whole sort of idea that, you know, salesmanship has become an evil thing. It's uh, well, it's just to, just to yeah, just just to finish that thought on the used car salesman. Um, sometimes the bad cops get there through a long involved process where you really have the sociopaths in, the, in that job. So you got the guys that really do regard you as meat. And they and they just want to make the sale. They don't care if it's the right car for you. They you know they're they're exchange for they're going to get the most money out of you they can mm-hmm. for the for the worst car they they can sell you. That much is true in certain situations. So you you have to um, you have to understand that selling there was a nuance to the whole arc of being a salesman of of persuading people. And again, that's where starting in a good place really really helps. But then you apply every tactic you have. This goes back to um, last weekend we were watching football, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about if people saw behind the scenes of the football game, although football is maybe not a very good uh, subject because it's kind of violent on the field and stuff, but if you looked in the locker rooms before the game, how these guys get pumped up to go out there yeah. and try to murder each other, you would be, you might be really alarmed. There are people who love football who think it's a gorgeous game. I mean, I think soccer players probably do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have a uh, a picture of the op- opposing quarterback up on the wall where they gun target on his head or you know they may throw darts at it you know there's all this violent stuff and yet after the game they may go out to dinner with the guy so so there's there's a sense of what you need to do to get ready to do this stuff is sometimes mysterious unknowable it's strange and it bothers people so they don't want to look behind the scenes they don't want to know what goes into that i mean actors getting ready to go on everybody you know thinks oh so and so is a is a great actor you know, if that's why I tell people to read biographies, uh, some of the best actors out there in live theater, they would have to throw up off stage before they made their entrance. They were and they were trying to get out of it. They'd have watchers trying to keep them from leaving the theater. They were so freaked out about going on stage every single performance. Mm. And then as soon as they stepped into the limelight, they changed. They 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 that was just part of the process. They had to go through all the grief and the agony and everything like that. Mm. Combine that with the ideas that we have of uh, like the uh, uh, the Daily Mail or um, well, World Net or uh, 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 Weekly the, World uh, National Enquirer, those mm-hmm. kind of headlines, you know, Bat Boy back in Washington, you know, advising Obama on, you know, you know, NSA security. Um, mm-hmm. Those kind of outrageous headlines that bring you in. 
yes, they're kind of, I mean, so sometimes we can chuckle at it and sometimes we can become outraged at it. And sometimes we just we're kind of rubbernecking or we need to find out. These are all part of the persuasion nuances, the tactics that are used to, to just be able to cut through the clutter of life and get people's attention. Then you can start in earnest making your case of why this is something that you need to get involved with. Yes, sometimes it involves blind copy where you're teasing a lot. You're not letting people know exactly what the nature of a certain part of the product is. There's the mysterious bonus that will let you, you know, uh, learn to, to sell when people are right up to the point of buying and, and are ready to walk away. Uh, you know, you, you can tease people. All of these are tactics to get them to do what needs to be done, which is exchange money and, you know, for the value of whatever the service or product is that, that you're providing. Civilians, which is what we call people who are not entrepreneurs, people who have not been in the locker room of entrepreneurdom mm -hmm. and haven't seen what it takes to prepare and to actually perform good salesmanship, which is which which needs to be done, that dance that needs to be done to take a prospect from not even knowing you existed to being a rabid fan. It doesn't just happen, again, because you're a nice guy, even because you have a superior product. The, the human mind is not wired that way. That's why these selling without selling tactics are crazy. It's like, it's like people saying, why can't you just go out and play football? Well, because there's a lot riding on, on the game. Your career is riding on the game. Right. Um, your, um, your legacy, your advertising endorsements. Um, I'm not sure that uh, Peyton Manning is going to be too happy about seeing himself on TV confidently pitching pizza after getting shellacked in the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Um, you know, he's, so, suddenly he, everything's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's uh, you know, th there's a lot of things going on. And these are humans one step removed from the jungle with one foot in the concrete jungle of modern life and one foot still in the old jungle where you're, you know, posturing, you know, alpha versus beta male for bananas and mating privileges. All this stuff is going on. It's very complex. And modern life is really confusing. Modern life is full of of reality shows that make you think that this is how people act, you know, and it's, it's just not true. There's all these, mm -hmm. all these dramas and all this theater going on, all this stuff coming on. And you come along with this product that for, you know, in most cases, uh, will solve a problem that, that your prospect has or do something to make the prospect's life better or fix something that's broken or somehow fill a void in, in, in their life. And if, 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 if you don't convince them to act, they will walk away. And like that salesman knows on the used car lot, if a, somebody reads your ad and leaves without taking action, it's highly unlikely they're going to come back. Mm -hmm. They may say they're going to come back. They may say, you know, this is a great ad. And I, th this product is really great. I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to bookmark this site. And I'm going to come back here in, in about 15 minutes because I got to go eat lunch and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. They're mm -hmm. gone. The, the, yeah. The the entrepreneur who understands how that dance is done knows that once that person leaves, um, the chances of him coming back, even if it's a bookmarked on online, uh, are slim to none. Yeah. So that's why you want to make them say, ah, oh, to hell with lunch. 
you know, the, the, you know, or even not even think about it, have this breathless ride down yeah. what we call the greased slide of the great sales pitch, right. which just take them. So, you know, I, I talk about, you know, th- this is another video that we'll, this guy will probably find uh, and trash me on. There's another uh, video of me saying, you know, at the end of that grease slide, the you want the prospect to sit back and smoke a cigarette and wonder what the hell happened and why is my credit card smoking, <laughs> you know, because I just bought this stuff. And it's, you know, that's it's not said cynically. It's kind of funny in that in the locker room, again, of the entrepreneurial world, we understand what's going on. We did need to take them out of their normal thinking processes into a, you know, out of a passive thinking process into an active state of mind where they're actually going to take the credit card out, type in the numbers and do all that. That's incredibly hard to get somebody to do. Yeah. It's, it's incredible because they really don't know you no matter how much credibility you put in the ad. Mm-hmm. No matter how, even if they've been getting emails and they're getting newsletters from you to decide that they're going to pay thousands of dollars and fly across the country to sit in a room where you're going to present things with a lot of other people, you know, sell it, you know, all writers who have tried to sell a live event knows how tough that is to break through the defense mechanisms, the clutter, the the uh, natural state of the human being to put everything off to the last minute or mm-hmm. to try to, you know, a, a, a prospect knows somewhat if they've been in the capitalistic dance, you know, for, for any period of time. They know in the back of their head if they leave, what they're really trying to do is break free of the spell you're, you're winding so yeah. that they can, you know, they're, they're, they don't, if they don't trust you entirely, if they don't trust themselves, if they've gotten in trouble, you know, or had buyer's remorse or their or their spouse, you know, bitched at them about buying something before. All of these things are involved. And that's why to get ready to sell something, you have to put yourself in the mindset mm-hmm. of of a successful copywriter who's going to be a salesman in print. Um, uh, I forget who, I think it was Claude Hopkins talked about all ads are salesmanship in print. Mm -hmm. They are your little salesman who goes out there and covers every point in a conversation going on in a prospect's head where once you've sent that ad out, whether it's a video or written or audio or whatever, you've lost control. You now have to trust that salesman, that ad, that salesman in print or on video to do the job that you can't do because you're not there face to face with your prospect. So, you know, go ahead. I, I think I, I don't want to stop if you have a um, no, no. A, because I think a, a cool place to take this right now would be into. All right. Let's take an even a step back from that, which is getting into the prospect's head. Right. Uh, I know you talk a lot about this and it, it, go back to the car lot for a minute. First thing that happens and another reason you should go experience this if you haven't <laughs> or if it's been a while. Listen to what the salesman does. He comes up and he just asks questions. Questions are disarming. Questions bonding. Yes. Bonding. They put the asker in the driver's seat. And last time I bought a car, I noticed it was interesting. You know, he asked me, you know, what what are your priorities? What's important to you about the car? Is it gas mileage? Nah, we don't go that far. Okay, is it this? Is it that? And I noticed he just kept every time I'd get a little antsy, he'd go back to that that one uh, thing that I mentioned up front that was important to me. Oh, you know? interesting. And so. Um, by the way, just to just just to tap onto that, we should a good homework assignment. Go go onto a car lot. It can be a new car lot or used car lot. Whatever you want to do, you give yourself permission not to buy, but find out car lots, new cars 
I bought my last new car 10 years ago. I mean, I got, I, it's great. It runs great. I've, I've never been happier with a car, but we bought it online. We went online. We did all the research. We called up the company. We told them, uh, we called up the lot in Sacramento, told them what we we're going to pay and which car on their lot we wanted, <laughs> the color and all the, all the stuff. And the guy was helpless. It was like, hmm. he, we knew what, you know, how much above the manufacturer's list price that we pay and all this stuff. And we did, did the deal remotely. So they're up against new changing market tactics. So the the it's not 1955 anymore and you're walking on the lot and everybody wants the new, you know, the new Chevy Bel Air. Right. It ain't like that anymore. So the salesman who has you on the lot is going is either savvy about this or he's a rookie. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he's been he has some idea that he needs to bond with you and do all these things. And it's the you know and you you by knowing something about marketing and about salesmanship and about bonding and the persuasion process can monitor what these guys are doing in a changing market, which is very similar to what a lot of marketers are going through right now when every day they wake up and God knows what's going online. They could have been Google slapped. There could be some new thing that all the kids are going to instead of Facebook and their ads that worked yesterday now aren't working or if you know their email is suddenly not being open because nobody left a, a primary email with them. All kinds of things are happening. So you start to change your tactics. It all boils down to, though, that whole process of of discerning the prospect's need, understand walking a mile in his shoes, understanding that, presenting your case in his head so that he has that conversation going on in his head. He's you're answering, uh, bringing up objections and answering them even before he's yeah. uh, bringing them up himself. That you're 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 a step ahead, but you're not you're not being uh, obvious about it. You're right. you're in control. You're the adult in the room. The guy's there to buy a car. He's going to buy a car. How about he buys your car, who's a damn, which is a damn good car, and you're offering a good deal for it. Now, maybe he can get a better deal if he's a little more savvy. Or, maybe or wants he, to drive all over knows. town. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there, all these things are going on. But, you know, you've got good value. You have a good car. You're going to do what you need to do. So it's that's why it, it, it really is a good process to go through and go through consciously. Go through and understand, break down in your head what's going on. Yeah, when you really want to get down to it, read a book like uh, The Closers or um, yeah, How good. to Sell Anything. I think there's one called How to How to Pitch, I think, uh, that oh, the uh, oh, Algonquin group has been talking oh, about. Pitch, pitch Anything or in class. Pitch Anything, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So read that first, then go and experience it. You know, these guys have right. probably read that or they probably lived it or maybe they learned it from some old school salesman who taught it to them face to face. And they've done it a thousand times. So you're walking on and as armed as you are for this, you're their thousand thousandth guy they've dealt with and they've heard it all and they understand all the objections and you're in the hands of a master. So it's good to understand how that stuff works. Yeah. And even if people say, well, now the trend is this CarMax where it's no haggle uh, pricing. So, but if you go to their uh, site and it's, you know, click on find a car, used car, uh, there's a little paragraph that says, you know, look, look, uh, looking for used cars. CarMax has almost every make and model, low, no haggle price. There's objection number one. All of our mixed, uh, our used cars are CarMax quality certified. Uh, objection <laughs> number two, uh, which means every, which means great bullet writing right there. Every used car at CarMax must pass a certified quality inspection, which just repeats what they just said, nothing more, <laughs> and comes with a five day money back guarantee. Oh, another objection ticked off, as well as a limited 30 day warranty. Uh, visit your local dealer. So, 
for people that want to say, well, all you got to do is tell people about your cool thing for them to buy. This is proof that a a company who said, you know, we're going to we're going to own the market of people who don't that are so afraid to walk on a lot, so afraid to get ripped off. We're going to invite them here to our, our shiny place with our. Our, our flaccid salespeople and there's going to be no haggling. They're already selling you before you get in the door because they know what you, everybody needs to hear the right things before they can ever buy. So I think that's, that's an important point, but John, you would talk. Wait, to wait, the, wait, just yeah. there's one, one other point that hold mm-hmm. hold on to that, mm-hmm. that thought. Um, they actually tried the no haggle thing with, I believe it was Saturn. Okay. They came out and the whole idea, I, I'm thinking, I got to hope it was Saturn. Anyway, it was, um, Chrysler or somebody just came out with this line of cars where there was no haggle. You, there, the price you paid was the price on the car, mm-hmm. and the whole thing was addressing that idea that I don't want to go and haggle for a car. They're going after women who felt they'd been ripped off. They're going after people who felt they weren't up to dealing with a, <clears throat> excuse me, a salesman, mm-hmm. and that lasted for a while and it failed. As it turns out that people really do want to haggle. They do want to. They do want the bragging rights of getting a good deal. Right. They just didn't know it, or yeah. you know, it, the, the disconnect between what you think you want to have happen and what you will actually, mm. what will actually flip you into becoming a buyer is miles apart. So civilians think, but just have a good product, and I'll come on and I'll decide, and I'll you know I'll make the right consumer choice, and let me do this. And sometimes that is the case for a savvy consumer but most of the time that's not the case mm-hmm. and you know it's like don't sell me on this just just make a good product and, and get out of my way and no uh, there is yeah, no invisible hand like that it doesn't work that way no, and it's been proven in the car market that's that right saturn failed that's a great point and and you, if you look the, the most recent trend in car ads have been that sort of lighthearted approach to, and the joke is that the uh, dads in the office pretending to haggle with the salesman where his family's outside the glass window and really they're arguing about football or something and then he's like all right that's that's enough thank you you know and because he because he looked because they found out oh dad does want to be the hero and go in there and get the best deal and so the joke is that you don't have to here but we'll pretend anyway so you look cool in front of your wife and kids you know and in reality when you get on the lot you'll still go through the same process right right so uh, yeah, great stuff. Okay. So, you know, I thought this was great because you gave our friend Harlan that advice. You made him years ago go read Danielle Steele oh. novels. <laughs> and I, there's a there's a brand new, it's still on your newsstands. It's Time's 100 New Health Discoveries. And one of them is um, read Tolstoy, raise social skills. And so I'll just reference the article, and I think this is a great sort of lead-in to that. This is in the New York Times. This is in no, this is in Time Magazine. Oh, it's one of their you know stays on the shelf till March things. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, one hundred new health discoveries this year, and so one is um, so it says I want to improve your ability to read the emotions of the people in your life. Uh, try reading Dostoevsky or Faulkner or some of the great contemporary writers like the new uh, Nobel laureate uh, Alice Munro. Uh, that, at least, is the conclusion of a fascinating set of experiments exploring the relationship between reading lit- literary fiction and emotional intelligence. The, huh. the study is conducted by two psychologists at the New School for Social Research uh, set out to compare the effects of reading high-quality fiction like Munro's popular bestsellers such as Danielle Steele Romance, nonfiction science articles, and no reading at all. 
After reading selections that represented one of these options, participants took a variety of psychological tests. And one test called a reading the mind and eyes, which you can find online if you Google search that. Uh, Participants were shown 36 photographs featuring a pair of eyes and were asked to match uh, adjectives such as doubtful, suspicious and flirtatious to each picture. Uh, Those who read literary fiction performed best on the eyes test and other measures of what psychologists call theory of mind, the ability to infer what others are feeling. The researchers described the study as preliminary, but noted that it raises good questions at a time when the U.S. uh, core curriculum calls for reading more nonfiction and fewer novels. So I I think that's a great, I mean, it's just, you know, stuff you said 10 years ago, 15 years ago (laughs) is still being studied and still being uh, proven true. And that's not to stroke you, but it just goes back that the the fundamentals never change. And before what gets you stalking the desk is what we already said is that, you know, you've got a great product. But you also understand what the prospect that they need it, they desperately want it, and and you start to discover what it is you have to say to get them to take action on it, and that's what gets you gets you on the prowl. And also, that's what gets you in trouble with civilians, which is that disconnect. And I guess one one of the things that that we wanted to talk about, Kevin, or wanted to alert people to in the about the show is. When you join the club or enter the locker room of entrepreneurial endeavors, things will change in your life. This this also has been true since the dawn of time. When you take on a position of responsibility or you start a business, you become a boss, uh, you know, the, the, the old Hollywood canard of the of the privates in the trenches all grumbling about their lieutenant until the lieutenant gets shot and one of the privates is suddenly elevated to be the leader suddenly he can't hang out with the privates anymore you know it's like that that moment of removal from the from the group into becoming responsible for the group different gig and the guy that has that gig very quickly won't want to hang out with the privates anymore because they're just waiting for instructions and then they get to complain about it and they are not responsible for giving out those instructions in the first place so the 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 difference between becoming an entrepreneur and being a person on the outside who can complain and bitch and moan about what entrepreneurs do but never has any inside uh, uh, truth about the situation, that disconnect will be there forever. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a warning to uh, I've certainly you know, it's one of the things I warn uh, uh, freelancers when they start a career. Don't expect your, you know, if, if your spouse or your friends they may actively try to sabotage your attempt to become responsible for yourself. Your friends can't talk to you while having a beer, you know, in between, you know, quarters of the basketball game at the local bar anymore Mm -hmm. because they can't talk to you about what's now the major thing in your life, which is business, because they have weird, simple, wrong ideas about what it takes to sell something. They're not interested in it. They don't want to hear that. Right. They don't like that you're leaving them, that suddenly you can pay for more rounds or you're actually making money. You bought a better car. Mm. They, they don't like that. And they will try to bring you back home. Yeah. The, these realities are simple and straightforward and make sense to anyone who understands how humans work. Um, by the way, it doesn't make you dislike humans when you start to learn the how the inner workings happen it actually i I can tell you it makes you love them more you understand the foibles you understand where people are coming from you understand the fears and the and the sense of greed that even grandma has you know you know Mm -hmm. cute wonderful grandma who would never hurt a fly still 
you know, when something comes to if her if her grandkids are in danger, she's going to become a uh, mother lion. And, you know, you know, little, you know, nice little grandma will rip the head off of somebody that, that threatens her family. Right. And understanding this, understanding how the how the we're all cauldrons of boiling, roiling emotions. You know, we're ready to burst out at all times. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, we there's you, you I think it's a lot of comedy is based on that. On we don't say certain things, or we don't admit that we're thinking certain right. things, or we don't admit that we do certain things because we have this carefully built fabric of interpersonal relationships in this vast social situation in a scary and hostile world <laughs> that's you know that just freaks everybody out. And and you want to and you want to play nice, and you don't want to have to go out there and club people, you know, on your way to the bus to go to your job. You don't want to have to, you know, be you know outrun bears or just, you know, the old joke is I, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just got to outrun you, you know, <laughs> to your partner when you're running from the bear. Right. And it's like all this stuff bubbles up and it, it, it freaks, you know, people are in a constant state of freak out out there. And it's what's that old saying? If, if you're not completely freaked out when everyone else is running around with their hair on fire, you just don't understand the situation. <laughs> um you know, none of us understand the situation. I think we all know we'll never understand the situation. I love politics, but I'm never going to have any influence in politics. I'm not going to be able to affect what the NSA does or if they're tapping our call here or mm -hmm. or what's going on. But I want to know about it. I'll be a little outraged. I'll do the natural human dance that happens. Mm -hmm. And if I get a chance to make some changes, maybe I will. And But I am also vulnerable to someone coming to me and saying, how would you like to make a difference in a... You know, in this political race, you know, coming up locally, you know, act locally, think globally, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'll give them money, you know. So that's how they tap into that. They understand uh, where I'm at, where my fears are, what my greed points are. You know, I want a better world, but I want a better world that matches my idea of a better world, not some, you know, some some other nutball. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, you know, I want to be in charge of my life, though. I want to be in charge to a point where I can just pay somebody to go do the landscaping and they're not going to dig up the water main and, and crack it and bury it and then not tell me about it, which actually happened last winter. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. I'm off on I'm off on a tangent, but um, the, I, I think the 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 show is kind of a, a warning to people getting into an entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and people who have been in entrepreneurship for a long time. We just haven't haven't thought clearly about why they are reviled by so many of their yeah. friends or why their friends won't talk to them or why their friends behind their back talk about, yeah, he's a sleazy salesman, you yeah, know, or, or, you know, if you're in business or you're trying to get in business and you're sitting there uh, yeah. wondering why the hell you can't make any money or why nobody's buying your stuff, Good you point. know, ask yourself, well, am I making it really hard for them to, to say no? Because you're probably not. I, I guarantee you're, let, you're letting them off the hook too easy. And again, that doesn't mean you lie or you, or you, you, know, you misrepresent your product. Um, you know, a new trend, John, is giving everything away up front. So yeah, that you can, changing the free line, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I spent some time with our buddy Dean Jackson uh, last week, and and he's he's you know running really expensive ads in Success Magazine, and his goal for those ads is to create the most um, exciting, most uh, um, anticipated uh, piece of content in the entire magazine with an ad, mm -hmm. and and the way he plans to do that is by giving away 
the the entire tactic in the ad rather than leading right up to the boiling point and go okay now here's the link you know go there now and i'll give it to you for 1995 here's mm-hmm. the whole plan mm-hmm. he's got his nine word email and he's like here's how it works go do it try it let me know how it goes and you know he has found consistently as a lot of our other buddies have the more you give the more you get and the more you tell the more you sell yeah it, it has largely been a tactic that I've used and other freelance copywriters have used in that I will tell a client exactly what he needs to do, exactly what needs to go in the ad. I'll even give him the headline. Mm. I'll give him the close copy. I will just rattle off bullets and I'll give every, you know, everything but the actual finished ad written down. I'll, I'll just lay it all out for him. Yeah. And a, at the end of that rant, the, the, you know, the client says, God, I know exactly what to do. I should hire this guy to do it. <laughs> and yeah. that has worked. The more you tell, the more That's you right. sell. In certain situations, that is exactly what you want to do. You know, it's like going back to the used car guy, mm. telling you about the fact that this car wasn't a small accident. You know, look, we're right here. You probably didn't notice. It was just repaired really well, but it didn't affect the integrity of the uh, of the drivetrain or the axle or anything like that. It just, you know, you, you, you let some imperfections be known. Yeah. You, 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 you can actually sell a car to somebody who needs a car and be totally honest about it. Yeah. But that honesty will still fit in. And with a with persuasion tactics, you're still moving them towards an action. It's 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 kind of funny how many times both you and I in this call I've been kind of paying attention have you know kind of backed away from salesmanship and and almost like an aside to the audience you know tried to explain it we're not really bad guys you know we're <laughs> we're just you know we're just trying to provide value you know to to people and, and change their lives and you know we we we're not well I guess you know we do get a little cynical about it but only because we it's interesting how little people understand about what we do you know there was another email you and I exchanged and I told you about a friend of mine who reacted to a uh, Facebook post that I had, and I, I was very upfront about this Facebook post. I think I called it the mentor, you know, mentoring tip number fifty-seven or something. And it was all about how how entrepreneurs need to get their mindset going and go after it and have big goals that are you know chew up large pieces of the of the world and take responsibility and really mount stuff. And for me, it was just a simple. Um, uh, reiteration of a very standard principle in entrepreneurship, which is you're never going to be done, you know, crafting your career. You're never going to reach that point where there's nothing else to learn. You're never going to be at any kind of uh, point where the money's going to come easier than it came before. It's it's you know there's always going to be con- uh, 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 there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be contests. There's going to be things that. That need fixing, things like that. And a friend of mine actually chimed in in a comment and said, how about if we just do the best we can? And and I love this person and I, I, I like hanging out with them and I would never say anything bad about them. But that to me kind of shocked me. It illustrated the, the gap between the inside uh, insider entrepreneurs, the guys in the locker room who understand what needs to be done to make this thing work, and what I call civilians on the outside who have the luxury of saying, "You're trying too hard." You know, you're, you know, the business will work. Stop worrying about the business. You know, all of these platitudes and stuff that come out that bubble out that 
can work if you're a civilian, if you're jo- if you have a job with someone else and you don't have to meet the payroll next Friday, mm-hmm. if you don't have to make sure that sales meet a certain level, if you don't have to make sure that the product is up to date and isn't being swamped by competition, if if you're not responsible for these things, you tend to not think about them. Right. And so you don't wake up in the middle of the night wondering if your ad is going to work so that it brings in the money to make the uh, make the mortgage payment and the payroll so that the person with the job gets their check and goes home and and all all those nice things happen and the capitalistic dance continues. You know, certain people think about that and they are entrepreneurs and other people don't think about it and are actually either affronted, you know, are are unhappy hearing about it. They don't want to know about it. They'd like to believe that world operates on a different um on a different cycle. They'd like to believe that you don't need to sell to be able to make a business work and all of these things. You know, the, I, I've said this before. I've been on stage multiple times where I've looked out in the audience and I'll say, raise your hand if you want to learn to sell without selling. And every single time, at least a quarter, up to half of the audience will raise their hand. Yeah, I want to learn how to sell without selling. And I know what I'm up against. And then I, I, castrate them right then and there. And I say, you know, grow the fuck up. You know, you know, you can't sell without selling, you know, salesmanship is not bad. And I've actually had old time salesmen, uh, you know, some, some of the older guys, uh, uh, that I've worked with, uh, in, in crowds, they've heard that and they stood up and gave me a standing <laughs> ovation. It was like eight guys, you know, in the audience standing up and applauding and everybody else looking at him and say, what the hell is going on? <laughs> But it was, you know, it's the insiders who understand what needs to be done, having trouble communicating to the civilians outside of the locker room yeah. who don't understand, will never understand, and would be shocked if they really knew what actually goes on yeah. and are actively shocked. Online, there is so much now being revealed about this mm-hmm. that I feel during a seminar, I'm okay with a YouTube video going out that says something about you know, the mindset, getting into the mindset to actually write an ad that's going to do what it needs to do to bring that prospect out of that passive state into an active state where they may sit back later and wonder why their credit card is smoking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it also goes back to that whole idea that sappy dudes get when they, you know, I'm so tired of being in boyfriend mode. Why do girls always, <laughs> they want the dangerous guy. Well, yeah, man, it's called, it's called human nature, a little mystery, a little excitement, right? And, you know, yeah, 20 years down the road, that guy might, may end up lonely and, and pot-bellied and, 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 and it, you know, with a lot of people running down a lot of alimony and child support. But in high school, you're, uh, you know, f- ask yourself, why are you being such a wuss about this, you know? Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. And so it's really the same thing. And I think that's, that's sort of like the grown-up a bad business version of it is like, well, why does everybody, uh, why, why do we have to say these things that, that trigger these responses and make people, because that's human nature and yeah. it's what we need. Uh, to, these, these are things that if you don't tick them off, people are not going to take action. And, and so, you know, uh, you, you have to first understand them. And then if you want to reinvent how they're addressed and, and of course, make it comfortable for you, that's fantastic. But you cannot pretend that they're not there or you're just dead in the water. That is so true. I used to talk about that with Gary Halbert all, all the time, this whole notion of how we know things work and how other people, you know, wish they worked or... Uh, it it's it can be a little lonely. It can be a little alarming. Um, you know, we it, one one of the things that I've actually shocked 
non-entrepreneurs with by saying, and I actually stopped saying it because I realized it was very hard to get them to come around to understand what I was saying, was the the notion that you can actually sell a non-existent ad with good marketing, but a you know bad marketing can't sell a good ad, a a good product. Right. And when you think about that, it's like, wait a minute. So you can con people into buying non-existent products with good marketing. And it's like, yes, you can. You can get them to vote for, you know, it's like John Edwards when he was running for president. You know, somehow he got through the entire vetting process. And then right before right. it got down to the wire, he, you know, he has a baby with a with a uh, an, another woman. He's got another family. He's got all this stuff. He turns out to be a lying sociopath. And um, it's like we, you know, people believed him right up to that point that it was, you know, impossible not to realize that all the rumors were true and the rumors weren't even out there. And then, and then <clears> you <throat> even see uh polls that have him at like, I don't know, 9%. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> who are those yeah, who people? Are these, who are these people? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's you know, it, it's civilians, again, they don't understand that it's the marketing. And, you know, a lot of clients don't understand that either. I, I frequently, I, I'll do it another 20 times this year. I will encounter clients who don't have a business, they have an ad and they don't realize that they have one ad running on ClickBank or out, out there on in the newspapers or something. That ad has been bringing in stuff for years. So they got a business, they got people working in the, in a, in a factory where they're making stuff and they're selling and boxing and shipping on. They think they got it. And you know, if they've got just one ad and they've, they can't replicate the success of that ad and do it regularly. They don't have a they don't have a business. They have an ad. Mm. They don't want to hear that. And if yeah. the you know, I I especially on Clickbank, I've encountered a number of people who had a hired a writer or actually wrote their own ad or somehow came across an ad that worked and it worked for years and they never challenged that ad. They didn't test against it. It just worked and worked and worked and then it started not working. And then they panic and then they hire a writer and they're doing all this stuff and then they realize they can't replicate that success because the market Change. There are more. There's more competition. They've never looked at their pricing. Their product is now outdated, possibly even obsolete. Mm-hmm. Other marketers are giving away what they used to sell. I mean, mm-hmm. all kinds of things start happening. Yeah. And you know, so it was the ad that that sold. The ad made it work. And the thing that they need to realize is they could have been invisible. They could have been anybody. Often that ad could have been worked for their competition who had a similar product or maybe even an exact product, but they. They were winning and the other guy wasn't. And in their head, often people will think, well, it's because I'm a better person and my product is just naturally better than the competition. No, it's the marketing. <laughs> you, and in fact, you're, you or your competition could have an inferior product that's right. selling more because the marketing is better. Right. So once you make that realization, then, you know, it's disturbing and civilians don't understand it. You know, it's like it's like in football, um, you know, just to finish that football thing mm-hmm. about putting a target on the quarterback's, you know, picture in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, that can be taken too far. I think it was New Orleans Saints got uh, fined. And, yeah, coach uh, was uh, suspended for an entire year. Yeah. And the coach was suspended because he actually put cash bounties on opposing players heads. And it's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> you, you freaking it's like he turned it into real warfare, but they won. Right. Yeah. So it, it was like it was like the natural evolution of of this kind of tactic. You can take it too far. There's a step too far in everything. So, yes, mm-hmm. 
There are sleazy salesmen and marketers out there who will use all the same tactics that good marketers use, but they will use them for evil ends. And that's why you have to start with ethical products and good value, and then you can sleep well at night, and you can be the good guy in business that you that you always wanted to be. But you got to realize you're swimming in a in a in a pond with sharks and sociopaths and people who would eat you alive and not think twice about it. You know what? While they're picking their teeth after, it, the world is hostile, dangerous, but it's also wonderful. And capitalism has given guys like us who in a previous life would be slaves mm. or serfs or, you know, you know, working, you know, at subsistence farming, all these things. It's give, you know, capitalism has given us a chance to break out and be an entrepreneur, especially, you know, in the in, in the West here, you know, where we're, we can, especially with the new, you know, the new wonderful world of the web, we can find community, we can find information on how to be better salesmen, better marketers, create better products. All this stuff is now available. There's been an explosion and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to be stuck in a job. We don't have to uh, toe the the line of the man who wants us to be obedient little employees and stuff. We can be weirdos. We can live alternative lifestyles. All of this stuff is available to us because of the wonders of capitalism where we can sell our good products, feel good about ourselves, sleep well at night, offer good value, but take money in exchange for the values, the services, and the products that we offer. And, and to do that still requires all of the persuasion and salesman's tactics that could be used for evil or used for good. So choose to use it for good and be a good person. Take responsibility. Make sure your products are up to speed. You know, guys like like Dean Jackson, you know, he's a high quality individual. He's just a great guy. He's worth every penny people pay mm -hmm. to go and sit with him for an hour or half a day or whatever at, at his uh, at, at his office or to phone him or do something. You know, and we have a number of those guys in our in, in our in our world. We mm -hmm. also have a number of guys who we know I'm not going to name them, but they're sleazy assholes. And sometimes they have good products and sometimes they don't. doesn't matter to them. They're very focused on selling the most, on being the biggest, getting the most sales at a, at a seminar, being the biggest uh, influencer on the stage. I mean, I've watched this and it's just I shake my head because that guy's given all of us a black eye, mm -hmm. but he's also selling a ton. And the seminar host likes him because sure. he helps pay for the seminar. and. Right. You know, and people are kind of happy sometimes because they often don't follow through, so they don't even realize it's a bad product, or they don't buy the good product that they could have bought that didn't quite, you know, come to the level of persuasion that this guy did. It, it's complicated. It's it. There are some mysteries involved, but to be to enter the entrepreneurial locker room where where you're behind the scenes, you need to grow up. You need to be an adult. You need to realize certain things about the way the world works and be okay with it and not not get freaked out and not run around. You know, one of my favorite complaints that I see in uh, advice columns or letters to the editor or or in comments on in newspapers is somebody will come up and they'll say, when will we learn that we can't bully our way to success or something? And, and the answer is we'll never learn. You know, the new generation, you know, as much as you get your act together and you become self-actualized and and you become a good person and work through your problems as a child and and become an adult who understands responsibility and does all those things. There's a whole new generation coming up under you who isn't learned that stuff, may not learn it. You certainly 
hasn't learned at this point. And they're going to be hoodlums and juvenile delinquents and they're <laughs> and they're going to make poor choices and they're not going to have any of the insight that you have into being a better human and helping other people that, you know, it's just it's a continuing process. Life is a process. Business is a process. Yeah. There's no end game. There's no final state where everybody's happy and we're in a, a utopia where there's no crime and 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 everything's working smoothly. It just doesn't work that way. But it's pretty wonderful the way it does work when it when it works. I mean, war is horrible and war seems to be an integral part of the way civilization has progressed. Mm-hmm. But, we, you know, we can come to terms with that. We can we can try to stop unnecessary wars and we can try to, you know, help people and help them give them an alternative to revolution in Central Africa and give them an alternative to, you know, civil war and force guys like, you know, the Russian president right now to tow a better, more humanitarian line. We can do that, but it's a process. Right. And, you know, he goes away and a, a worse guy comes in or a better guy comes in and it, 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 the ebb and flow of all this happens. The world is complex. It's big. It's mysterious. It's also wonderful. There's a lot of reasons to wake up and get into the day each day. There's your family. There's your your friends. There's your goals. There's all this wonderful stuff. So, you know, life is never going to be a bowl of cherries and it's never going to be a bowl of shit either all the time. It's good. There's going to be that mix and salesmanship falls into that. If you want to sell, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you better learn the game. You better learn how persuasion works, how people get moved off of the couch into some kind of action, whether it's uh, you know clicking on a buy button to, or pulling out cash and counting it out and putting it on the counter or you know writing a check or c- committing to a, a process you know, or a program that's going to take a while. So that's it. That's my rant. I like it. That's good stuff. And yeah, and if again, it all comes down to what you, the caveat. If if you're doing the right thing, then you owe it to yourself and your prospect to do it all the way. Uh, and you know, go go hard, go hard, or fuck off. Don't be a. <laughs> All right. You know, it's it's funny. I'm I'm sure we'll get some flack for this show too. I'm sure somebody will hear it and it'll go through their obvious confirmation bias in their head and they're going, Oh, they're talking about salesmanship. They're evil bastards. That's and, okay. And yeah. you know, That's- we'll get some comments about how you know how wrong it is and that how you can you can sell without selling i heard about it in the secret you know well okay, <laughs> I'd love- then come back in a year and tell me how that worked out yeah well that's this is why we will invite everybody to the comment section welcome your comments we love the comments in the in the thread uh at pi the number four mm.com uh if you go through and look at um other episodes or if you stop by there we're always in there mixing it up it's one of our favorite parts so this time why don't you go in there and tell us uh tell us the first time you got sold something and felt felt either really good about it really bad about it or (laughs) really impressed by it yeah (laughs) when's the last time you encountered a great salesperson i'd love to hear that story and at pi the number four mm.com and uh that's another great show john uh anything any final thoughts no, nah, I better stop while I'm ahead on this one. So, <laughs> Okay, great. Well, we'll be back at it soon. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We always appreciate you. And we'll, we'll talk again real soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye.